I am Sumit Gupta and this is Choosing Leadership, a podcast for high performers with big dreams at work and life. This is a podcast for people who know deep inside that there is more. Have you achieved a great deal of success, but on the inside you still feel empty and like an imposter? Do other people see you as a strong leader and you wonder why it still feels so lonely and suffocating? The aim of this podcast is not to provide you more content, but instead shift the context under which you operate. I dare to speak to the tremendous power which you already have rather than what you believe are your strengths and limitations. This podcast is called Choosing Leadership because that is what leadership is, a choice. And this is the Humble Inquiries series. In this series, Leslie joins me as my co-host to humbly inquire into some of the most pressing challenges leaders are facing today. We have curated these challenges from conversations with hundreds of leaders in the past few months. In each episode of Humble Inquiries, me and Leslie are deliberately going to put ourselves in the uncomfortable space of not knowing the answer and humbly inquiring about these challenges with the aim to provoke new thoughts, actions and practices to help us better serve our coaching clients and also help the leader in you navigate these challenges both at life and at work. Hi, Leslie. Hi, Samir. So today we are going to do a humble inquiry into one of the biggest challenges people are facing in the last two years and which is dealing with change, uncertainty and all the pressure which comes along with it. Do, do you also see this from your network, from the people you talk to? Because I keep hearing this back, back and back again. Yes, and it seems no matter what you're talking about with anyone, it comes back to the change and the uncertainty and pressure. And it's just woven throughout everything that is happening in all of our lives. Yes. And and while I, I think it's important to start with uh, just acknowledging that like, this is a tough time, I think, for everybody, irrespective of where we are and what we are doing, uh, especially everything with covid moving to hybrid, moving back and forth, schools closing, schools opening, like restrictions coming back into place. And this is, this is a new time for everybody. While we will do a humble inquiry, I, I just want to add that like, this is a real challenge which people are facing. It is. And everyone responds in their own individual way. And acknowledging and respecting that is a key component of what is happening in the world? I, I think uh, what is happening with with COVID and what COVID is re, uh, revealing is that we do not have a lot under control, actually. And, and COVID is just revealing it rather than bringing up something which is new, but revealing something which was already there. What, what do you think about that? I actually said, hmm, you're right. Like, the, it really is. And I think because of COVID... It is something the whole world is experiencing it, and it has connected us in one way, but it has also created divisions and differences of opinions and experiences in another. Each country is handling things differently, even locally, down to wherever you live, one school's doing something different than another. And so it is bringing to light what was there and 
amplifying it. Yeah, I, I think this is a paradox we are touching upon, that the world we are living in right now is very globalized, very interconnected. Something happens in one com- one country, one company, one economy, it impacts people in different countries. Yet at the same time, we all live locally. And then there are local restrictions, local reactions, those differences in opinions which we have to deal with. And and these are things which nobody trained us to. So true. You know, we're, we're not sure of ourselves and how to respond and how to interact. Sometimes even how to listen to others' perspectives and opinions on what is happening. Yeah. And I think it's important to be honest here that while this challenge is real, while change is, is there, I think change has already been happening in the last 10 to 20 years at an increasingly rapid pace, but the last two years have been like totally unpredictable and people have been caught unaware. But the way I see it, I also want to add that like uncertainty and a lack of control is given is just what it is, but it doesn't necessarily have to create stress or mental well-being problems. I think then there's also a part which we referred to earlier, which is about our ability to deal with these situations. Exactly. And we are just two humble individuals talking about this ourselves, not having all the answers or any of that, but having you know, a very honest uh, conversation about what is happening here. Yeah, I think that's the purpose of inquiry. And I think uh, that's why it is so important to be in, in that mood of curiosity and, and to be humble enough to acknowledge that we do not know everything and there might be things which we might be unaware of. Definitely, uh, yeah. So where do you want to go from here? What perspectives do you want to bring into the picture? So I think uh, each of us bring all of our unique perspectives. You and I have talked about I come from a place of human resources and the people and that how it is impacting in the workplace as well as that the leaders and how they can influence that support and also help adapt what is happening. So those within the components of the business are really the lens that I look at most often. I think it's it's very important to take a look at this from multiple perspectives and I, I have a background in, in the business side of things and you have a background in the HR side of things. And now what both of us are doing is more into the leadership side of things. So I see there is an intersection, but I also see there is very different paths that we have taken to reach where we are today. So l- let's explore some of these perspectives and how can we inquire about dealing with uncertainty, dealing with so much change without having time to prepare. Sounds great. And, and if I see from a business perspective, and I've been an entrepreneur in the past, I have started companies, so I totally understand this need or tendency to wanting to get on the top of a problem or a challenge and wanting to fix or seeing whatever it is as a problem and then wanting to fix it. I think this is the attitude or this is the perspective which a lot of businesses take. But I I think that there are positives as well as downsides of this attitude. What what do you think about? I think this is also a paradox. It is uh, that desire for the control, the fixing that you mentioned coming from the business perspective, because obviously what is happening is impacting business performance. 
And yet there's no script for how to manage this, what to do. So it, it really is that paradox. And I think brings to light that it's important to bring all the perspectives to the table, all the different experiences, like we're talking here, HR, leadership, whatever's happening from the business perspective, as well as operationally and every individual that's a piece of it. How can that be a component of moving forward? One shift which has been happening for the last few decades is that business itself is moving from a place where we want everything in control or we want to predict what will happen in the, in the future. We want to predict our earnings, we want to predict our revenues, and we want to have strategies or solutions to, to what we see as problems. And I think given the rate of change that we are experiencing, I think what many businesses are already realizing is that there's a new way to be learned here. Rather than falling back to the old patterns, which, which might have worked pretty well for a different era, like from for the last century. But maybe for the 21st century, we need a new way of uh, doing business and leading people. Yeah, and what comes to mind is how that is impacted based on the generation of which you were raised and those those learned experiences that you're bringing into the workplace, as well as where you're from. We have now, more so than any other time in our history, brought the world together. You and I can see each other right now from two different countries. So it brings amazing possibilities, but the recognition is needed of all those differences coming together in a very rapid pace. Yeah, I think you touch upon a very important point and this uh, immediately reminds me of my father, of my like other elders who have worked in companies for 20 years, 30 years without wanting to change jobs. And that is so absurd in the world we live in today. And yet at the same time, like changing jobs frequently was absurd back then. So I think it's a very important realization that you are highlighting that like the world is changing and then everybody, like the way we manage business, the way businesses look at hiring, the way businesses look at market expansion, everything has to adapt or change along with that. We're all learning it at the same time, but coming from different kind of base points. So how to be respectful of that and really able to adapt and react and move in the right way is what I was thinking. And as you mentioned, people staying in jobs their whole life in the past, and now you're looking at people who maybe they haven't worked in a year. They lost their job. They haven't worked. They're, they're not only trying to deal with what is happening in the world and personally, but also learning how to re-engage in the workforce, which has, which has totally changed in a year. So it's one thing to have gone along for the ride over the last two years. It's another to have stepped out of the workforce and then being trying to re-emerge into it and find your place and understand how things may be. Yes. And, and I think both from the employee point of view and from the business leader point of view, it's very important to be flexible or, or the importance of flexibility is, has never been greater than it is today. The importance of flexibility and to be open to different ideas has never been greater from both sides. Yeah, and it, 
I've seen it in ways where, you know, hybrid and that piece and the remote work is so talked about that there's a whole component of businesses that don't have that possibility. Manufacturers, production workers, operational teams, truck drivers, all of that, they're still working. And what has this done for them? They've worked this whole time, they've been in the workplace this whole time and been facing that, but also they still have their family needs surrounding them too, which now may require more flexibility than they did two years ago. When a school decides to close down at the drop of a hat, that person who previously had to report to work now has a kid that's not at home and not at school. And what is that impact and how can the workforce adjust flexibly there, not only for those people that have office and the ability to work from home jobs, but for other individuals as well. I think it's bringing us more change before we have time to react to what has changed just now. Uh, and it's a unique challenge because uh, human brains, we don't like change. We resist changing and, and we want to predict things. Like we, we feel safe in certainty. And there's, there's a huge of, there's a huge amount of evolutionary reason behind that, that most of our history, like we have lived in a world where and not trying to, not being able to control things or not being able to predict things meant like physical danger to our survival, especially when we were hunter-gatherers or in so there's a lot of that evolution which still sits in our bodies and has us react in a stressful or in a sudden way or in a threatened way when we see change happening, even though the change itself might not be physically threatening to us. What have you found that, that leaders can do to actually make it okay or to make it easier to deal with the change? I think one of the fundamentals I come back to for leaders being able to deal with the change is creating the space for it. So creating the space, not only for themselves, but also their employees to have that. If employees are seeing the leader only push ahead, they think they need to push ahead and they don't think there's space to honor what may be grief or sadness or fear. So it's creating that space for truthfully, feelings and conversations to occur. And it goes back to that humble part of leadership. You have to be humble to be able to do that with your team, with your whole organization, no matter what your role may be, to open up and be a little vulnerable and create that space so that everyone else knows it's okay. Yeah, I think totally on point. I, I think I would also add that it's not just about humility, it's also being very practical. Because being in a certain way, like always wanting to control, while that might have given you a lot of success or a lot of results in the past, it also has a cost. And if you don't see the cost, you will not step back or you will not create a space or you will not see different perspectives. So I think it's very important or very practical to ask this question, like the way we have been working now, what are the costs, what are the benefits? And are we willing to take on the cost associated with it? First of all, do I even see what is the cost of me behaving or my company behaving in a certain way? And then if I see the cost, then what am I going to do about it? And how do you encourage someone to recognize that they 
need to maybe let go of that control a little bit and be a little more open. I think the first step is to just to acknowledge what is. I think just like we started, right? There is there is no point talking about going like going back to the way things were before COVID. But even if COVID is gone, things are not going to go like they were before COVID. The world has changed. The way we work has changed. People have evolved or people have scars, like deep scars from losing family members or going through a difficult period. So even though COVID might not be there, the, there's no going back to now. So to, just to acknowledge that things have changed and not trying to fight it not trying to resist it, like this should not be there. Let's fight it, let's get through this. I think just acknowledge, like without surrendering, without without acknowledging defeat. So I'm not talking about defeat, but just acknowledging what it is and what it is not. Like on a, on a very practical level, there, there is COVID, right? It's just, just that as, as a neutral expression. I think that's the first step which allows to create that space which, you was, which we were mentioning just a while ago. And I think a lot of people associate grief with death. That's the most common thought when they think about grief. But grief happens with any change, with any ending, really, or something like that. And really, as you said, there is no normal. So that normal has ended and we all have experienced grief. Some of us still in it. Some of us are moving through it. And just like change. I always compare the two, grief and change. It's not a straight line to the other side. It can be a circle or a messy squiggle all over the place or up, down, back, forth. You have to allow the space and acknowledge what's happening and still trying to work through it, not just wallowing in it, but giving space for it and moving ahead. Yeah. And, and I, I think one of my biggest learnings in the last few years around emotions like grief or sadness has been that these emotions in itself are not the problem. Uh, and especially if I see the workplace, a lot of people find it difficult to talk about these emotions because they see this as negative or a problem. And the learning which I was talking about is that any emotion is not the problem. What is the problem is that we block the emotion. Like we don't create a space to talk about it, to express it. Whether it is with fear or anger or sadness, but if we allow the emotion to be there without wanting to do anything about it, I think there's a natural cycle and an emotion once expressed allows you to come back to a neutral state, to, to a healthy state of well-being. But if you block it, if you do not have that space, it keeps bubbling up inside. In the, in the end, it will only end up hurting you or causing some damage, but the emotion in itself is not the challenge. It's very true. And I think at least I was taught there, there wasn't really that space for emotion in the workplace. And my, my nature in helping people and having that caring side always made it a challenge because I could empathize and I wanted to feel for them and I wanted to help them. And that burden that I carried as an HR professional of trying to help could be really heavy, especially in this time. Being willing to help, but also not carrying the burden. It's really about creating that space for the individuals and supporting them, asking what they need. How can we move ahead 
feel like the majority of the time it comes back to communication. They want this. They want to hear what the company is thinking. They want to hear what the leadership is thinking. And how can HR be that conduit of making sure that employees get the messages they receive and the time and the space while not carrying that burden themselves and end up really burning out uh, because of this. Yes. And I think that's a very important word which you spoke about burden and especially for HR because like people in HR are there in HR because they love people or they want to support people. That's what has motivated them. And yet how that same care or that same uh, sense of connection becomes a burden or can become heavy, can become or can stop them from, from actually doing their job. And what, what I have seen, at least for myself, is to honor that, to not to brush it aside, not try to like get over it, but to honor that the deep care that you have for people around you. Because that's who you are, especially for people in HR. But there is a specific thing about HR, I think, which needs to be honored and not just have it there as a side function in a business. So I think it's very important to to do so. That and, and I think the key thing here is taking responsibility doesn't mean that you have to take a burden. And the same for leaders, like leaders have a lot of responsibility, but the responsibility is not a burden unless you make it so, unless you are subconsciously making it. So I think that's a very important distinction. Yes, and I think having you have your responsibility of your role and you also have your responsibility to yourself and not to overlook yourself because as a leader, as an HR professional, any role in that taking care of self helps enable you to show up in the way that you can help others and support others. So I know Throughout the last two years, pressure has been put on HR professionals to adapt to a law that changed overnight or a new procedure or, oh my gosh, a new outbreak. How do we deal with that? And they have to react very quickly and understandably. But once they get through that burst, how do they ensure to go back and take care of self so that when the next burst happens, they're they're in a place, in a position where they can do it and not end up spiraling downward to their own detriment in that I always say that you need to put your own oxygen mask on first. So that care needs to happen for self in order to be able to weather this storm. I totally agree with that metaphor of taking care of yourself first. You cannot take care of somebody else if you are hurting or if you're feeling burdened by what you're doing. And, and in very practical terms, like this doesn't involve a lot of stuff. It just means something doing as simple as focusing on your sleep, focusing on your eating habits, doing a few exercises every now and then and letting those, as we spoke about, letting those emotions down, whether you are doing it with a friend, whether you're doing it with a coach or whether you're just writing it down in a paper and then maybe throwing the paper away. But whichever way that works for you, to take care of yourself. For me, it's uh, photography. I, I love using photography as a way to, to heal or as a way to de-stress. Uh, and I know people who, who enjoy gardening, but, but they cannot spend the time because they are too busy. 
But what if gardening can actually help you become a better leader or become a better professional? So figuring out what it is that allows you to take care of yourself and then doing that. Yeah, you mentioned how you care for yourself. One of my favorite things to do is walk my dogs in nature and really adapt that sense of wonder. I walk the same trail every day, but I find myself wondering what has changed since yesterday or what's happening around me. And just what you were saying, like someone with gardening, often when I go into that state of wonder, I get fabulous ideas or clarity through them while also having the time of self-care. So how can you create that space? Going outdoors is a great one right now to be able to do that safely, even with others. So creating that fun, I think is, is a big encouragement to help lighten or create light in what is happening in this world today. Yeah, going out into the nature helps us connect to what is already there, what is already true. And this reminds me of, of an important role that our language plays. And sometimes we can use language in ways that can create stress or can create a problem psychologically, even if it is just something simple. And a, and a simple example of, of that is like seeing a plant grow. There is no force there. There is no management there. You can't force or manage a plant to grow faster than whatever time it will take. So you cannot plant a tree and then expect it to have fruits tomorrow. It, it will take its time. And and I think what, what I'm getting to is a lot of time we use language like managing change or getting over the top of things. So we use these words, we use these phrases without realizing that there is no managing or getting on top of COVID or hybrid work. We can, I think we can navigate these things. We can navigate life, but to manage life, it ends up creating friction. It ends up creating stress when things happen, which they will happen like the way we did not predict them to. What, what is your take on that? Yeah, I'm following along with that and I, it took me back to that need for control versus going with the change and allowing it to happen and how can, it's all uncertain and new for all of us. So how can using our language and opening up that dialogue with our teams, with other individuals so that you can hear what they need and what will help shift. Some people do not want to work from home. They don't, they were forced into it, but now where there may be a choice, giving them the platform and the space to say that, to be able to create together what is the new way forward and what really works for the individual, for the team, and for the organization. Yeah, I think this also brings us to inclusivity. Because of the way we are working, we, we really have no idea what is happening in somebody's mind. We have not seen our co-workers for a long time. We have only spoken to them in a like a virtual world, which can be very transactional without getting relational. And this is the second thing which I was also referring to earlier about control and which you pointed out very rightly. You cannot control nature. A metaphor which I use sometimes is of an ocean and the waves in an ocean. You cannot control. I think there's a very beautiful word which sailors or which captains of uh, huge ships use. They navigate the waters, they navigate the ocean or the waves, but they do not control or they do not manage 
the ocean. It would be absurd to say I manage the ocean. Wouldn't it be? <laughs> <laughs> yes. I, I just got a funny visual of trying to control and manage those waves. Uh, whereas navigation seems almost peaceful to me, even in the midst of a storm that you have the ability to navigate based on your previous experiences. And as you're navigating, learning along the way with the new experiences and what is happening. No storm is the same as what is happening to all of us in our lives today. It's not the same as it once was. Yeah, and no wave is the same. No route is the same. Even if a ship is taking a route from the same two cities, even then every storm, every route is different because on the water, you, you cannot predict. Like that's just, it's not going to happen. Bringing it back to leadership, I think it's, uh, it's the analogy there is that even if you see that a captain of a ship is really driving the ship, but in, in a way they are basically navigating in accordance with the, with the ocean or with the waves. They cannot fight the waves, otherwise they only end up going to sink the ship. So I think it's a paradigm shift for leaders to move from driving towards a direction to working inclusively, working in collaboration, working by listening to other people's opinion. And then that includes by being willing to be proven wrong or to choose a different point of view over which you very strongly believe sometimes in the interest of navigating. Yeah, absolutely true in that and I think just remembering as leaders the inherent power that they have just based on position or title there is there's power given there and others perceive that power and are waiting to use that as their guide remembering that in all situations is key and it's the same for an HR professional. They're looking at HR as the ones who know what should be done or how to handle the situation. So no matter what that person is doing, they really can't take off that hat because others are looking to them for that. That goes back to self-care, to language, to all of those things that you're wanting and expecting of your team, your organization. Others are looking not only for how you show up, but what you do, what you say, all of it, all the time. And I know that sense of power and that sense of being visible can also be very intimidating, can also be very threatening, or can also feel like a burden. And I think one thing which I've seen works counterintuitively is that if you accept your power, if you acknowledge your responsibility, then that includes asking for help. That includes saying, I do not know. And, and to me, that's a sign of strength, not of weakness. And so having a power or having a lot of responsibility totally does not mean that you cannot say, I have no idea what to do. I think trying to control things or trying to manage things versus saying, I have no idea what to do, tell me, like, or help me, immediately creates a different mood, immediately creates a mood of curiosity and togetherness rather than like people can sense that you're struggling. But if you don't share that, they have no way to contribute. They have no way to help. You think that's a great one. And creating that space or saying it out loud, whatever needs to happen there of, I don't know, what do you think? It goes back to being inclusive in what you had said earlier and creating that opportunity to hear the other voices and perspectives to 
shape what might make it better. There's a reason businesses aren't just one individual and they are a collective of many individuals and many different backgrounds and personalities and education, all of it, and bringing that whole selves to the table and sharing to create the future. Yeah. And I think HR has a very important role in two dimensions. The first is, is that because they, this is new for everybody to create resources or to create guides, which people can go to, to and then get some actionable ideas or get some understanding on things which are new. And, and the second thing is to like to try something creative, to try something new. Like I was, for example, I was talking to a leader and they're they are doing phone calls rather than Zoom calls, just to have people not attached to a screen at all the times. And then to, to get comfortable with doing one-on-one -on -one meetings over phone calls rather than on a computer, trying new fun activities. Like one leader told me that they did a TV channel kind of a show, which was virtual, but it had all kind of fun activities. And it was like the highest engagement producing activity for that company even compared to when things were physical. So I think HR has a very important role to innovate, to be creative, ways to create fun, to lighten the mood, and to create that space, I think, which, which we talked about earlier. Yeah, I love those ideas. And like you said, I, I know I'm guilty of, with Zoom, I, I feel a disappointment when I don't see everybody's faces and I have to remind myself that maybe they need a break and there's a reason for that. They have something going on in the background. Who knows? They don't feel their best selves visually, physically, whatever that may be. And they don't, it's okay. You mentioned phone calls. I love the idea of a walking meeting. If you're both taking those phones, putting your headset in and going out and walking and talking, sometimes you can have that benefit of that different shift to have an even greater meeting throughout that. But. I've heard so many creative ideas of how to engage throughout this time, fun ways via Zoom, via things being sent to people's houses so that they can interact and create that. And sometimes maybe it's even a gift that it gets sent home and it could be for the kids or their family or something like that. That goes a long way in supporting the individual uh, and letting them know that the organization cares about them and knows that it's a challenging time. So I think those moments of creativity that also lend to support are so powerful. And, and all of that happens in that space, which we were talking about a bit earlier. Yeah. So what do you think, Leslie, are some very practical steps or actions which people can take? to navigate, not to manage change, but to navigate change. Yeah, the magical question of what do we do uh, now that we're in this change, how do we navigate it? One of the ones I know we've mentioned throughout this, but is having conversations. And that definitely requires creating the space. So the pace is so fast. I'm not talking about a, a typical meeting, creating a space for a conversation that allows that creativity, that wonder, whatever that may be. And the leaders need to allow that space. And sometimes that means the leader needs to be quiet in that conversation so that others can share. And it could be from very big picture to also, what do you wanna to do to help us celebrate our progress or get through this next quarter? Or 
we've got to finish this project. How do we rally together and push that? But the space needs created for the conversation. Yeah, and I think what I'm listening is the importance of listening or or the importance of asking questions and then be okay with uh, being silent and letting people fill it up with, I think, to more of listening than speaking. I think that's a very practical step any leader can take to ask a curious question and then to be ready to be surprised with what comes up. Yeah, and silence is okay. <laughs> yes, and, and one thing, I think another practical step which I have seen, which helps people to open up and reduce that power dynamic or reduce that fear of hierarchy, if leaders can be vulnerable themselves and share something personal, if they can, uh, I think it happens quite naturally in the Zoom world, in the virtual world, where we can have a pet with us, we can have a kid with us. But even without that, by sharing something personal, allows others also to to see that, okay, this is a safe space for me. And these are very small signs, these are very small steps, but they can make a huge difference over a period of time. And I think that just says so much if someone does that as a leader and shows that vulnerability, which also lends itself to support almost inherently how they can do that. And it could be something really personal that's happened in their family, but they know others may experience that too, or maybe having those moments of grief uh, or those moments of fear. If someone is ill or something like that, all of that is happening within and around the workplace. And having that transparency. This is what is happening to each and every one of us in some capacity. Yeah. And I think one thing which I would like to add as a blanket for everything which we have spoken about is to remember what you are committed to. And especially when it comes to these uncomfortable conversations, are you committed to make your team successful? And, and are you really committed? Because everybody will say that, yes, I am committed. But are you really committed? And does that commitment mean going into those uncomfortable places or having those conversations which you're not used to? Because if you're not having them, then maybe you're not committed. Maybe you're not actually committed. So to question your commitment to basically fulfill what you have taken on. It's your commitment to the business, to your position. There's also that commitment to care, not for everyone else, but also self-care and how how powerful that can be. I've seen those organizations where you, you can almost feel it from everybody because they have aligned around that. They know they can be comfortable in that space because they know everyone is committed to that same kind of practice. It's part of the culture. I think that's the word I'm looking for. You, it, it is embedded within the culture. And throughout this change, maybe the culture of your organization has needed to shift or has run off course and needs recommitted back to that essence of care. And, or maybe you discovered you didn't have it and you need to commit to it moving forward so that it helps the whole organization and each individual that is part of it. Yeah, and it might look like different to different companies, to different teams. It's easy to say you navigate these waters instead of control it. 
or or manage it but what does it look like in practice what what changes when you navigate i think something very practical which businesses can do is actually plan for flexibility or plan for turbulence and be ready to shift goals to shift priorities rather than making them right or wrong rather than making them problems and things to be dealt with or managed right so when when it comes to business planning when it comes to milestones i think there can be a pre-planned space to be flexible and not to bump across corners when that happens but but to allow that space very practically in your day-to-day activities navigation happens rather than management right and i was thinking that happens also in those one-on-one conversations between a leader and someone on their team that the team member is comfortable and knows they can ask for that flexibility that they're not waiting to in essence, disappoint their leader by not meeting that milestone that they can honestly say, based on what's happening, I'm I'm not going to be able to meet this. Can we talk about how we're going to adjust this commitment or this expectation? So part of it goes back to those conversations again, but also within those allowing that flexibility, each person knows they can take that first step to make that happen. Yeah. What you're pointing to is, again, that mood of curiosity and inquiry. And this brings us like back full circle to where we started. We're doing a humble inquiry because there is there's not uh, a lot which we can control or which we can predict. So it's very important for leaders to create that mood of inquiry, to actually live into that mood. And everything happens from that mood rather than you as a leader trying to control or push through change or things. Mm-hmm. I think that looks like a good place to to wrap the whole thing up. Do you have any lasting thoughts? No, I think we covered so much of it and it has been a great conversation around this. And just the reminder to take care of yourself so that you can then also take care of others is really what I come back to in all of this and be comfortable leaning into it and having those conversations. And there's always a conversation to have. And again, taking care includes asking for help if it's important. Thank you for this conversation. Thank you so much. It's been my pleasure. That's it for this episode of Choosing Leadership with Sumit Gupta. I choose leadership every time I record this podcast. And I invite you to do the same. I invite you to design a life of joy, meaning, pride and satisfaction. Not just for yourself, but also for those around you. This is what I do most naturally, to lovingly and gently provoke you to help you see your own light, to help you see what you are already capable of. I say what might be uncomfortable for me to say or for you to hear, to show you that all our dreams which have been on hold are within our grasp. If you like the sound of it, do not forget to leave a rating. I invite you to subscribe to my newsletter at deployyourself.com slash newsletter. You can also reach out on LinkedIn, Twitter and Facebook to share any other comment or feedback. I want to thank everyone who contributed to making this show a reality. And thank you for listening. Always remember that you are enough, you are loved and you matter. This is Sumit. Until next time, keep choosing leadership.